Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that Windaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. Windaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of Windaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation, we are Back with the BMW Championship. Only 50 golfers left, 50 of the best. We have our work cut out for us tonight on the DraftCast. It's going to be fun. To nobody's surprise, I won again. Repeat, back to back. But as gracious as I am, I went ahead. I gave Spence the first pick. David second. Me third. And the audience, you're going fourth tonight, which I actually think is a good spot. I actually almost took game myself fourth. So I think I left the audience in a good position. Um, see, it couldn't make it tonight. He's out. He will be back soon. But you still have the three of us for tonight at Olympia Field, which I thought was ironic because it's called Olympia Field to the course. It's in Illinois. And as football season's rolling around, the quarterback of the Bears – who are in Illinois, Justin Fields, same name, any relation, I don't know, but that's certainly a coincidence. However, this is a tough course. So um, it's going to be a challenge the way I look at it. If you want to do a little correlation there, Justin Fields, tough to game plan for, golf course, tough to manage. So Spence certainly is work cut out for him this week in what we're looking for on the course this week. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I appreciate the first pick again. I, I will say though, Joel, I seem to be self-sabotaging myself at the start. Like I've been extremely boomer bust this year. It's pretty much first place or last place every single time. And uh, it's been a bad run here over the last two weeks with you going back to back and you giving me the first pick and me coming in last, but I'm hoping to turn it around this week. Uh, I think it's a unique contest out there with there being only 50 players and ownership is kind of condensing into all the same spots here. So I think being different is very important for large field GPP contests. Yeah. Well, what we briefly mentioned before we came on the show tonight was, you know, for a while, the winning strategy on this show was take Scotty Scheffler first and figure everything else out and you'll win. That has now changed. The new strategy is take Lucas Glover first. You know, everything else will work itself out because he just keeps winning every tournament and you know what? The thing I find interesting about Lucas Pumper, his prices have been adjusted this week. We'll see where he gets drafted, if he does. But the really interesting thing to me is, I don't think this is just a flash in the pan. If he has found something with his putter, listen, I don't think he's Scotty Scheffler. That's sarcastic. But I do think that he is a, going to be a guy to stick around in the you know 8K range. Like, I think that's more realistically what he is if he has a putter now more consistently because his ball striking has always been good. The ball striking is consistent. If he's consistently making putts, this is a much better player. And it's like it's weird to think 
someone at this age has made this much of an improvement. Um, but I do think some of this is going to stick around. I think we're going to see some more good results from Lucas Glover over the next coming uh, months or year. How about you, David? How are you doing tonight? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, I won't be taking Justin Fields with my first pick. I have no idea who that is, but um, apparently <laughs> he's kind of a big deal. Um, no, I'm, I'm excited. It's exciting to be down to the, the top 50. I thought last week's tournament was extremely exciting. Um, just bizarre that Lucas Glover has entered the echelon of the the top kind of 20 players on the PGA Tour right now. I mean, this guy at the beginning of the season was just absolutely dreadful. He's like 187th on the FedEx Cup rankings like six weeks ago. Like it's absolutely mind-blowing that we're now talking about um, someone who's potentially or, or probably going to be a Ryder Cup um, player for the Team USA and going to Rome just six weeks later when um, his best finish was one tied 20th and um, 11 out of 16 missed cuts. Absolutely bizarre. But look, that's why we love the game, right? It's so volatile. Um, people can put it together. And if you get on the right guy at the right time, we didn't have Glover this week, but we had him the week before at uh, 90 to 1. Um, you can um, pick up some very, very good value and hope you can deliver some more for the audience tonight. It's an absolutely fair point. I mean, you're right. Glover was absolutely unplayable for a majority of the year. And like his price was rarely above 6,500. And like, it wasn't even being considered, like not even like maybe it was just, you can't play it. He could barely make a cut. Um, but, and I think that's where I, I made my statement earlier. He's, he was a good ball striker. He was an atrocious putter. I mean like atrocious, like horrendous putter. And now he's a good putter. And like, that is a significant change. Like that is significant enough where like, I think there is a change in this person now. Can he sustain it? That is to be determined. But if he can, it's certainly going to be interesting. So, Spence, it's an interesting course. It's definitely unique. This will be a field. It's challenging. Give us the breakdown. What are you looking for this week? Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody's going to want to point to the 2020 iteration that we saw in recent memory here. I do think the venue is straightforward in what is being asked of the field. You have four inch plus Kentucky bluegrass rough that creates this difficulty for players when they miss the fairway. I think that's where this becomes an interesting situation though, of how you want to build a model. Cause this is where you can either go left or right with your answer here. Um, I am a believer, even with there being these softer wet conditions here, that distance over accuracy is going to be the answer. I do think that the course would have played more so that way if we could have gotten this fast and firm conditions and it wasn't so wet, I do think it's going to dry out throughout the week. But you know, if you look in 2020, this kind of turned into one of those bomb and gouge sort of tests to where everybody was missing fairways and getting up closer to the green outweighed that safety of laying back on the course. So I'm still going to go with that route there, but I at least want to note that, that if it does play a little softer, it could potentially bring in some of the accuracy players, which is, why I said it, it becomes now the situation of you got to make a decision of how you want to build a model. I went for distance there. It's going to be very challenging course. We see 10 holes that will possess a bogey or worse percentage of over 20%. Add that to the eight holes that bring water into play and the 91 bunkers that are littered throughout the property. You do get this very tight claustrophobic feel of a venue that's surrounded by trees and pitfalls that are looming at all turns here. Um, not to give away too much strategy for the draft, which might be a surprising answer at a tournament that's not going to necessarily produce a ton of birdies. I did decide the way putting a little heavier than I normally would. I thought that was a 
a noteworthy addition into my model to go along with that projected T to green return that I was looking for. But um, I don't know if we're necessarily going to get a four under winner this time around. I, I think it's going to be somewhere a little higher than that seven under eight under wherever we end up going with it from there. But uh, definitely a tough tournament that you're going to need a complete game to win here. I think that's, that's totally fair. And I think to your point, you know, we've seen different styles get the job done here. So it doesn't mean you have to pigeonhole yourself to one type of golfer. Um, you can sprinkle it around, uh, but you are going to have to be on your game. That is for sure. Uh, Byron, that was a good one. Byron said field stroke team scrambling is off the charts. He's talking about Justin Fields because he's a scrambling quarterback. That's what he did there because good one. That was a good one. All right. On to the draft guest. I'm going to pull the draft board up. As I said before, the draft order for tonight is going to be Spencer first, David second, me third, non-SIA audience. You're going forth. You're on your own tonight, SIA audience. So get your nominations in early and often. We're going to have to move quickly to get this through. As a reminder, you have to stay within the DraftKings salary, so you cannot just take all the best players. You need to make sure you draft so you can fit um, into your DraftKings roster, and that is going to be extra challenging today because there's only 50 golfers, so there's just less options out there for you to be able to build your team. But without further ado, Spence, you are on the clock. So we had a discussion before this show started of who I was going to take in, and I don't necessarily think I needed to take this player with the number one pick. I would be... Highly surprised. I mean, never say never on this show. If one of you guys were going to take this player with your first selection, it doesn't mean it wasn't a name that was going to come off very quickly off the board. But as I said, I decided to weigh a lot of putting into the mix here, maybe more so than would be anticipated for me with the way I built my model. Talked about this probably staying within the single digit territory, but there was one golfer for me that generated this high end expectation he graded first place in my projected weighted strokes gain total category. He had six, uh, he had uh, top six returns for strokes gain when we looked at thick, rough, fast, and firm surfaces, these challenging scoring conditions. I'm going to use my first pick here and take a golfer that I think has underachieved recently when we look at the leaderboard. We're now starting to see him put the results together. I'm going to take Max Homa. Interesting. Very interesting. I like Max Homa. Um, honestly, Max Homa was someone I was considering in my first pick. I didn't think he would be any chance he would have been taken before um, this early, uh, which is interesting, most interesting to me because I wonder if more if the ownership will be higher on him than we originally anticipated since uh, it seems like we were both pretty high on him this week. I, How about I you, David? I see him just really quickly. I see him trending towards that 20% range, which it's a limited field, but that puts him as a fringe top 10 name off the board. Okay. Yep. That makes, that makes about, that makes sense to me. Uh, David, were you looking at Max Homer this week? Definitely. Yep. Um, I think he's a, a very good chance. His, his game, like the results have just naturally been trending in the, the right direction. That's, that's the starting point. Um, but the combination of last week, he was second in the field for stroke strain off the tee. That was a real positive. He drove the ball beautifully. I think that's going to be very, very key to success here. He likes tougher tests of his victories, majority of them have come at 16 or and under or higher. Um, and then he likes wet conditions as well. The course is playing soft, it's wet. 
we're expecting some heavy rain on the Thursday, particularly in some thunderstorms as well. And we've seen that his victories at the Wells Fargo when it was at GPC Potomac, for example, um, playing very well in the, the weather there. And then the same at the, the Four Net Championship. Um, and I think as well, one thing that, that you should note is Riviera is very correlated to the results that we've seen here. We know what Max Homer has done there the last four years, not just the win, but four consecutive top tens and one of the strongest fields um, on the PGA Tour. Loves a bent grass power mix. Um, I think he's a very, very strong pick. And I've had to take him out of my little um, drafting lineup here, um, pending my pick um, coming up. Well, now it is your pick. Who are you looking at? It is. So I'm going to go um, top of the board in lieu of um, Max Homer. And I probably would have taken this player as my first pick anyway, which is John Rahm. I love that we're getting ownership leverage there over Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler. And I think a lot of that comes down to last week. Ram started extremely slowly in that first round. He found the water three times or found it, found trouble off the tee three times and had to take penalty strokes. And we've seen what he's been able to do off the tee. Basically, um, for the last eight months, he's been gaining every single week. Um, on the PGA Tour for off the tee. So the distance is going to be a real asset for him. He's won this tournament here in 2020. He's also won at Riviera earlier this year. And if he's going to be the lowest owner of the three, I love the leverage that I'm going to get um, on John Rahm as well as a bit of salary saving compared to Sheffler and McElroy. Yeah, I mean, hard to not like John Rahm. I mean, not too many negative things to say. I mean, the only thing you want to talk about when you're talking about Rahm is basically comparing him to the top three, right? And it's like, which one are you going to pick? Um, no one's going to tell you John Rahm's not good at golf and don't play it because if they're saying that, you should tune out immediately. So um, good pick there. Uh, we'll keep it moving here. I'm going to go ahead here. I'm glad the guy that I wanted got to me. Um, my, my biggest concern with this pick is I think he might be I feel like he's a little bit overpriced. Um, but with that being said, he certainly cannot argue with his course history. And that's Patrick Cantlay. Uh, and Patrick Cantlay has certainly looked like – like I thought Patrick Cantlay was slowing down a little bit toward the end of the year. He wasn't playing his best golf. Um, I thought he looked really good last week. And Patrick Cantlay tends to – I mean, if based on last year alone, he kind of rises his game up in this FedEx cup. And this is like his spot. And I'm going to lean on that. I think this is where Pat, like Patrick Cantley comes to play. This is a great, obviously he likes this tournament. He's won it two years in a row. Um, and I'm going to go back to that spot here at 10, five, happy to pay up, get the winner. And I'm more comfortable going in this like stars and scrubs type approach in weeks like this, when there's no cut and I'm getting four days out of my scrubs regardless. So we don't have to worry about missing two days. My scrubs are going to play four days. That gap in points between the bottom isn't going to be as big because they're playing all four rounds either way. Now, how about you, Spence? You looking at Cantley at all this week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard, and, and you were kind of alluding to this even when we were talking about Rom here. Like, if you want to just let let's just take Xander and up, I guess, to be safe with those six names. I, I think you can make an argument for any of them. Obviously, there's going to be leans, and you're going to have to make a decision at some point, but. I'm not going to sit on the show and say can't lay some bad play. I mean, he's won this. I mean, granted, at a different course, but he's won this tournament in back-to-back years. There's obviously something about this setup of these courses that they're putting together for the BMW Championship that his game seems to like. Yeah, totally fair. Um, all right, so 
I'm going to be honest with you guys. It is extremely difficult to manage the chat, the picks in the chat and the show at the same time. So can someone, maybe David, do you want to be uh, the judge here of who the official picks are from the audience? It looks like Rory and Fleetwood from everyone in the chat. And um, yeah, two, two interesting plays at the top of the ball there. Yeah, those are two good plays. I'm pretty disappointed. I was hoping Rory would have made it back to my next pick. I wanted to go Rory Cantlay. Um, I just think Rory's playing really well. And if, if the thought is, one of the thoughts is that driving distance will be a big advantage this week. You know, certainly Rory has that. Um, you know, paying up for him again this week, I, I think it makes sense because the Stars and Scrubs approach works when you're guaranteed four days. How about you, David? Are you playing either Rory or Tommy or both? I am. Look, I, I mean, what I'd comment on between Rory and Ram and why I went Ram is that I'm seeing Rory own, ownership at over 40% and Ram at 27%. So is is Rory McIlroy that much more likely to beat John Ram at a course that he's won previously um, on a course that correlates very well to Riviera where he's also won? I think that last week, Rory McIlroy of the big three was the lowest owned, and it looks like this week he'll be the highest owned, and he's also nearly $1,000 more expensive than John Rahm. So, look, it's Rory McIlroy. If Rory McIlroy comes out and wins this golf tournament, nobody is going to be surprised. But in a week where there's 50 players and that's it, and we're going to see a lot of condensed ownership, I think this week more than most, game theory really comes into play, and I would rather go to a John Rahm who people are going to be off Basically, after just one round last week, after that second, third, and fourth round, he really gained a lot on approach and off the tee. I'd much rather go that route than um, following the crowd on Rory. Makes sense. Certainly makes sense. How about you, Spence? Quickly, Rory and Fleetwood, are you in or out? Yeah, I mean, it comes down to the ownership with Rory. I'm going to be in, though, I think. And then uh, with Fleetwood, if my number one pick was not Max Homa, it was going to be Tommy Fleetwood. All right, there you have it. I love it. So there you go. I think we're all aligned. We all like these picks. Good start for the audience. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm in a tough spot here. The guy I want, I'm gonna be honest with you, I am second guessing. My whole draft is kind of getting thrown in the shambles. I am now I, I understand the feeling Spencer has when the draft gets thrown in the shambles. That is what I am feeling right now. I'll even talk you through my thought process. Who I'm thinking about taking right here is Ricky Fowler. I feel like Ricky Fowler's game is a little bit on the decline, but he plays well at this course. I think he can have a really good result. The price is right. It's just a matter of has he lost form? And you know what? The guy who I want caught my eyes. So I am going to change the pick. It's not going to be Fowler. It's going to be Tom Kim. Tom Kim has found the form. And if, if my thought process this week is form and guys who are, who are playing well, it is certainly Tom Kim. The ball striking there, and he is the profile of one of those guys that can win this tournament with extreme accuracy, right? Just find fairways, get on the greens, make some putts. I like what we're seeing from Tom Kim right now at 8,700. Leaves me plenty of flexibility for the rest of my lineup. Uh, how about you, Spencer? Are you on Tom Kim at all? I think he creates interesting leverage. Um, there's a handful of players in that $8,000 zone that you could give that answer to. He would be one of them. I also just want to note before we move on past this, I mean, Joel, you put an over-under up of me being rattled within the first two picks, and I mean, I, I don't know what just happened. 
Wait a minute. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You haven't gotten to your second pick yet. I, I, that can still very well come to fruition. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, like, technically, the guy who I wanted to take at the 102 with Fleetwood uh, got taken off the board, and I was just stoic sitting there. I mean, you can watch it back on replay. <laughs> uh, there's absolutely no read there. <laughs> that is fair. Listen, you are known to have been done well on a few poker tables in your day. So I, I would hope if that's what you're trying to do, I, I have full confidence in your ability to execute on uh, on playing your hand there. So, all right. Well, listen, David, can you play spoiler for Spence here? Take whoever he might be hoping to reach to him here with his second pick and really have him flustered to make sure we can get him on the under two rounds. I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, uh, we, we all know uh, Spencer's former poker skills and uh, the, the poker face is, is firmly on. We'll find out if we've, we've broken it or not. Hopefully a bit of a value play here that Spencer might be looking to go to. This, this golf is in great form. He's finished 10th, 7th, 6th, his last three tournaments. Uh, plenty long off the tee. Cameron Davis. I think he's in fantastic form. He profiles very, very well. Distance off the tee, no problem. Around the green game, really sharp as well. And I think with the number of missed fairways we're going to see, it, it's kind of going to play a bit like Wingfoot and Oak Hill and that everyone's going to miss fairways regardless of how accurate you are. Like your path to victory, if you're a highly accurate golfer, becomes very narrow because you essentially just have to hit a huge number of fairways because of the distance that you're losing. And with the softness as well, it's going to play a bit longer. So Cam Davis really ticks that box for me, and I really like the approach numbers that we're seeing from him lately as well. Um, very, very good form, and he was forced at Oak Hill. So if we're considering that a, a comp course, um, he's got different, um, some decent correlations there too. I love Cam Davis this week. I'm shocked. The audience is in my head. <laughs> on the part. I, I, I should have put the poll on me. I, I'm the one that can't keep it together right now. All my guys are going really quickly. There's only even 50 guys to choose from. The draft is getting away from me. Spence, were you on Cam Davis? I think Cam Davis is is interesting, and this is where it becomes an issue when we're doing four teams here and there's only 50 players that are in the player pool to begin with, and once somebody's gone, you know, it obviously shrinks and condenses the pool even further. So this is a tough week for this show. Like, obviously, and I think before this is all said and done, it's very likely that everybody included in this draft is going to be sitting there scratching their head, not necessarily knowing what route they want to go because a pick was taken from them. So, you know, Joel, if it makes you feel any better, if it's going to happen, this was the most common week, and I'm sure you're not going to be the only one there. Doesn't make me feel better, but I appreciate the sentiment. Spence, you got two here. Who are you looking at? So I am going to back myself into a real corner here with what I am going to do in um, – Maybe this will pump you up and pick you up a little bit, Joel. You're a wrestling fan. I am also a wrestling fan. Last week, I had a, a specific way that I was building this lineup. This way that I'm going to start this, I want to have the HHH, so the Triple H to start this. Max Homa, I'm going to take Terrell Hatton with the second pick, and then after that, I am going to take Victor Hovland. <laughs> Things can't possibly be going any worse for me right now. It's just it's not. <laughs> okay. Listen, I like both picks. Um 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Hoblin was going to be my next pick, so there goes that. I like Hatton a lot. Um, I think those are two really good picks. What say you, David? I, I think the pricing on Hatton's just wild. Like, who would have thought, like, a month ago that Lucas Glover was going to be more expensive than Tyrell Hatton? Um, <laughs> that's, that's extremely interesting. Um, not only that, is he cheaper, but he's um, he's about 15% ownership versus Glover's are going to be about 20% or over, um, which is just bizarre to, to think about. Um, I, I do like like Hannon's for kind of flying around the radar. Did pretty decent last week. He lost his um, strokes around the green and with the putter, which is always what you want to kind of see if you're going to have a poor week that you're ball striking it well and you just couldn't get the putter going. Um, decent enough form at, at Oak Hill. He was 15th there. And then um, in the 2020 rendition here, he was 16th as well. I think Victor Hoblin speaks for himself. The, the concern always comes down to the around the green, but he, he has been improving in that area. And I think a lot of people are missing that. He's playing very well. And, um, you know, if he's he's not going to win a, a major this season, I think winning a FedEx Cup playoff event would be um, pretty reasonable returns for someone who's been very, very hot this year. There you have it. I love it. All right, David, you're back on the clock here. You got Rom, you got Davis. I think you got a good start. Who are you looking at with your third pick? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take an interesting pick here. Just a little bit given the situation with both Spencer and the audience now sitting at seven thousand dollars for their remaining picks. I'm gonna go down the board and um, find um, some value and a bit of a contrarian play. Hopefully, uh, I'm seeing about ten percent ownership. Bear in mind condensed field so 10% ownership isn't going to be too bad and it's right down the bottom of that dumpster fire that I Ed loves when do. I dig into Kirk Kitayama at uh, 5600 last week was fourth after the first round really interesting final round he lost like four four point eight strokes putting um and just really kind of ruined his week so his, his numbers got a little bit hidden we, we're not going to expect him to to ever have a minus 4.8 putting round straight off the back again. But he kind of fits that similar golfer profile to Cam Davis. Extremely long off the tee, great around the green, and can fire on approach. Um, so I'm really liking some of those numbers, and I think he's a great contrarian play for, for this course where distance is really going to matter. I think that makes sense. And certainly, I mean, you can't beat the price. So if you're going stars and scrubs, that certainly works. You're guaranteed four rounds. What's that you spent? You looking at Kitayama this week? So I can't necessarily say that my model is overly in love. We could say that about any player. I think David did a superb job there of reading the room and reading the board uh, because I'm going to have to switch how I was going to construct this. Like if I'm looking at the very bottom there and trying to find a name that I think has top 10 potential, it's Kurt Kitayama for me. So if it got back to me, I was going to take Kitayama. There was a very specific way that I was trying to wrap up this build. And that's kind of what I was talking about is I have backed myself into a corner a little bit now by going, uh, you know, star, 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 because once one of those bottom end names gets taken off the board, it definitely makes this more difficult. So uh, from a game theory perspective, we're talking like beyond actual DraftKings and we're talking about our little game here. That was savvy, optimal, whatever way you want to do it. That was a very smart play by David to kind of, I guess for me, I won't speak for the audience, to back me into a corner here. There you have it. So strategic drafting at its best. Good pick, 
David. All right. I am up. As you can imagine, I am scrambling, trying to figure out where I'm going to go with this draft. Um, I think I have it figured out. I think I'm probably going to leave a lot of money on the table, but I think I have a new direction. And now that we're doing strategic drafting, I want to look at how much money you guys have left to see how I can make this work. Okay. So the next pick for me is going to have to be Scotty Scheffler. I'm not going to allow it to go through again. I can't allow another <laughs> pick to go by with someone else taking him. So, um, listen, Scott, in all, in all seriousness, Scotty Scheffler has not been like, listen, he's gone a week or two now without a top 10, which is out of the ordinary for him. Um, I think my, the biggest thing I like about Scotty this week is we all know how great he can be. And it seems to me, I mean, the number right now I'm seeing ownership is 21%, which is still pretty high. Um, I just have a feeling that's going to get lower because, you know, he hasn't been playing like the Scotty Shuffler was earlier in the year. I think he can still put together a really good week. It looked like he was showing some signs of an improved putter early in the week. If we can get some of that back this week, I, I have confidence in his ball striking. So um, I think the op- certainly the upside is there with Scotty. And there's guys that I like down low. Um, that can make me make this lineup work. But looking at the nominations the audience is putting in, I am very concerned. I maybe should have gone a different direction. I am also now very concerned myself. <laughs> Yikes. Um, how about you, David? Are you looking at Scotty at all this week? I, I think you have to. Look, last week, right, for Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, for, for many of the field, it was the first time they'd played since the Open Championship. Like, there was a decent gap between them. And I think a lot of people, I was speaking with um, with Ed in, in Discord earlier, about a lot of people will just look at, like, recent form, but they're not really taking the context of what recent form looks like. You know, like, if John Ryan comes out, has a bad first round when he hasn't played for three weeks, and then he's decent the rest of the tournament, maybe he was just a bit rough around the edges. Maybe he hasn't been practicing all that much for the last three weeks. And to be fair, for Ram and Scheffler, like, they're kind of secured at first and second in the FedEx Cup playoffs anyway, like, regardless of what they did in these tournaments. So where was their motivation? I think that both Ram and Scheffler this week would have got a bit of fire from Lucas Glover, Patrick Cantlay playing well, suddenly moving up the FedEx Cup rankings, wake up a little bit, get into the to the form and, and come out and really compete this week. Um, Scottish Scheffler's ball striking, no-brainer there. Everyone's going to be missing greens. Everyone's going to need to make parts. That's just the reality of it. But I'd rather have the guy who's going to be hitting more greens and regulation um, in that situation. And Scottish Sheffield obviously ticks that box. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Spence? Uh, quick, yes or no? Do you like Scotty this week? Yes. Probably the same answer you said before. Anyone in that yeah. top six, you yeah. can't go wrong. Fair enough. All right. Um, the audience... I, I give you credit. You're doing a great job. All the nominations are good. Um, we got to get two. David, have you found the, the official two? It, it looks to be Harris English and Adam Schenk. So, um, Joel, Spencer, you should both be absolutely shook. Because yeah, now going to have to justify um, some interesting plays coming up. Yeah. Um, Schenk is going to be <laughs> the next pick. <laughs> Well, Harris English was going to be the next pick for me. So they, they found a way to, I mean, I guess I did make it over two picks before the, but I mean, this is, we're both not in the greatest spots now, obviously. 
Listen, I knew it was going to be a challenge tonight with only 50 guys, four teams. I knew that. I did not envision it being this big of a challenge um, where everyone's getting swiped left and right. But here we are. Uh, listen, for the audience side, good pick. I mean, I, I think you guys are building a good roster. So I, I really like Adam Shank this week. I think he's playing really good golf. Um, I think Adam Shank's a little bit underrated at 6,500. Um, that's where I was going to go here with this next pick. How about you, Spence? I don't I don't know if I necessarily love Shank as much as you do. I, I was going to take a shot with Harris English just because of the approach play that we've seen recently. He's boomer bust, but I, I would rather have that boomer bust at a six thousand four hundred dollar price tag and shoot for the moon there. So um I like I said, I wasn't necessarily on Shank, but I, I think they're both quality picks for the price. Fair enough. Uh fair enough. All right, I'm gonna go ahead here. Oh man, you guys are really putting me in the bind. If you and, if you uh, want me to pedal for a couple of minutes, Joe, Harris English is so interesting to me. He's yeah. led the field in approach the last two tournaments, like like in the Wyndham Championship, whatever, like fairly weak field, but leading the field in approach at the FedEx St Jude. And then prior to that, he was just doing everything with the putter. He just hasn't married up those two weeks. But the approach metrics are just absolutely insane at the moment on Harris English. I think in a tournament where you're going to get four rounds out of him. I really like that play. Even if he finishes 30th, I think it's going to be extremely volatile. He's going to be firing at pins. He's going to be making birdies. He's probably going to be making some bogeys too. But in a tournament like this where it's going to be tight, um, you're going to get yeah four rounds out of them, lots of birdie opportunities. I think he's a really interesting play. And Adam Schenk for betting markets has moved in from 150 on open to 100 to 90s in places as well. Um, I thought he was very impressive last week, and I liked the off-the-tee metrics you get from him. Yeah, Kitayama and, and English kind of both have that same example there of super high upside, a low floor, but for a limited right. field contest, you're going to create leverage there, and that's what makes it so interesting. All right, all right. I got my pick here. Uh, I'm going to go with Adam Svensson. Uh, Adam Svensson has been playing really good golf. He would have had a way better result last week if he could have made a few putts. His putter was atrocious. Now, he's not a great putter to begin with, but I think he's a little bit better than what he showed last week. And if he gives us some putts this week, I think he's underpriced here. I think we, I think I would have put him in the high sixes, maybe even low sevens. So to get him at 6,200 in this field, I think there's plenty of upside with Svensson, especially if you're leaning into a stars and scrubs approach. How about you, Dave? Are you playing Svensson at all? I think Svensson is a really savvy player. He's he's always been good around the green and putting. We saw him lose that last week, but he's now gained on approach the last three weeks, and it's by increasing margins as well, which I really like because that is continuing to develop, which is a huge positive for him. I'm really surprised about the ownership number I'm seeing. I mean, Spence, you'll be able to speak to this, and then Stephen, obviously, with his um, frisky biscuit, which always gets me excited, um, but also his his ownership numbers as well that come out are just on fire. It'd be really interesting to see. I've got 6% for Svensson. Given the form that he's coming in, I would have thought there'd be at least double digits. I would have thought over 10 was, yeah. was to be expected. So um, if you're getting him at 7%, I think he's a really interesting spot. Yeah, I, I have him at eight, which is essentially the same thing at that point, give That's or take. Right. Yeah. And I, I'll add one thing. You can give a little leeway to percentages this week because it's only a 50-minute field. Everyone's percentage is going to be a little higher because there's just less options to choose from. So knowing that information, like if you normally think a guy at 6,200, if they're, let's just say, you choose 10% is too high, 
probably closer to average in this field just because there's less golfers to choose from. So keep that in mind. All right, David, you got Rom, you got Davis, you got Kitayama. Who are you looking at here with your fourth pick? Well, I'll reveal to the audience that it was Adam Schenk that I would have liked to have taken here. After that, it was probably Harris English. So they've got me back at my own game. Everyone's stealing everyone's picks. I kind of love where this uh, show is going at the moment, especially watching Joel squirm. As you know, we, we're used to seeing Spence squirm and complain every single week, but seeing Joel do it as well is is it is very, very satisfying. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to have to go get a little bit different. Um, I've still got plenty of money um, here on the table, and I, I'm, I'm going to go for a player I think that will surprise a lot of people. I see his ownership at the moment at 6.7%, but we've really seen the approach play coming on leaps and bounds this year. And the thing that surprises me for Justin Rose is that his driving distance has actually really picked up this year and i think that's been missed by a lot of people he is he is long off the tee at the moment like he's gaining to the field consistently he's also accurate he's got a elite short game he's got great approach i love him and what we kind of suspect is going to be like a bit of a us open style test his us open record obviously speaks for himself he's past champion um he was ninth at oak hill this year fourth at riviera his ownership number is going to be you know, up by the fact a lot of that ownership is going to Cam Davis right below him. Um, and then you've got Russell Henley right above as well, who I think is going to attract a bit of ownership too. So I like the position there, and I think that he can go really, really well this week. There you have it. I like the pick. Justin Rose has been having a really good season, right? He just like, you know, he struggled a little bit in the last couple of weeks where he wasn't as good as he's been, but he's having an awesome season as a whole. Um I think at under 8K, you're getting a pretty good price. I like the pick. What do you what say you, Spence? I like the pick a lot. That's probably where I was going to go next. So um, <laughs> g- good pick, David. But <laughs> I mean, like from a metric standpoint, and we really saw him come on strong during the weekend of the last event. And if he can keep that going, like I think he's a hit and miss candidate. But like I see him at 8% also, like in my model, that's the kind of upside that I would want for a golfer that I think if he hits, he has real top 10 potential. It's maybe one of the last names if we're really getting technical here that has like, to me at least like legitimate win equity. Like if we're talking about a player that has more than 1% of win equity, that is kind of bettable at the price there. So I, I, I think the Rose play is very savvy. There you have it. Um, Rose on the board. Spence, you got two here. Majority of your guys have been taken. Do you need us to give you some time, or are you ready to rock? I'm just going to make a pick here, make two picks here. I mean, I don't love where I'm at, obviously. I I don't think any of us are in love with some of these decisions that have been made in other spots. But I'm going to take Chris Kirk at 6,000. Um, kind of similar upside that I'm looking for on a lot of those other names of like the Kitayamas, the Harris Englishes to where there's spike potential inside my model. And I don't feel great of taking that play and then taking somebody that doesn't necessarily have the spike potential that I'm looking for. Although really for the last six months, he continues to be underpriced in my sheet. Now he doesn't necessarily ever give you that top 10 finish that you want. Maybe in the reduced field, you get a little bit more upside from him just because the weight of proximity and some of those numbers look so good. But I'll take Eric Cole at 6,300. I, I just think he's underpriced because he doesn't necessarily ever give you that, you know, high-end result that you're looking for. He's just been safe and steady most of these weeks. I think those are two solid picks. 
you know, you're, you're going to have to find ways to find those, not in an insulting way, but scrubs, right? If you're building these stars and scrubs approach, you got to find those scrubs there to give you those four rounds. I think both guys can score well, full transparency. Kirk was definitely going to be my next pick. So I'm in scramble mode, resetting as well. How about you, David? Were you on either Coke, Kirk or Cole this week? I probably prefer Kirk over Cole. Uh, what I'd say with Eric Cole is that, like, like he's just bad off the tee. Like he is yeah. just bad off the tee. He's short and inaccurate, which is, I think, in a in a week where driver is going to play a really big part, a, a big concern for me. I, I think on the flip side of that, you you're almost definitely going to get ownership leverage on Eric Cole as a result of that. Um, Chris Kirk, I think, is a really sneaky play. He was in the top ten for strokes gained approach last week, just quietly, um, finishing sixteenth at, at FedEx St Jude. So. Um, I think that he could be um, good leverage at the ownership numbers I'm seeing. There you have it. Leverage plays. Um, plenty of value to be found, as you can see. All right, David, you got four so far. Who are you looking at with your fifth pick here? Yeah, a couple of different routes I can I can go here. I, I think my build would have been a lot easier had I had um, Adam Schenk, but like the nature of this tournament, right, we've got 50 players and we're going to pick 24 of them here tonight. So you are just going to miss out on plays. And uh, if I miss out on one versus you guys, it sounds like your entire team has been stolen from underneath you. Um, I'm quite happy to carry on um, in that vein. So um, looking at the salaries that are left, I think that I can... Quite safely go to Emiliano Grio and take that here. Joel's nodding because I've probably just taken his play. Um, but I think that I can safely go here and then still get up to the guy that I would like to take with my final pick. Yeah, Grio was the one I liked. He wasn't going to be my play because I, it was hard to afford him, but I was considering him earlier. I'm definitely on Grio if your lineup, you can make it work out. Um, you know, based on who you're playing, I will be and have exposure to Grio this week for sure. How about you, Spence? I, I'm indifferent on Grio. Um, I think he works very, very well for cash. I don't know where I stand with him on GPP. Makes sense. What do you look? What do you see for ownership? I see 11% right now, which isn't necessarily a massive percentage, but it is one of the higher in the $7,000 range. Yeah. I guess, sure. I guess in ownership, right? Like I, I have 9% if it's 11, you know. Fine, and that's still whatever. fine. That's still fine. Yeah, which like which in this field is is good. I mean, you've got Benny Arn right above him who's going to be 18. Like, well, that's, is, that's worse, yes. Is, is Grio at half the ownership of Benny Arn? Like is Benny Arn twice as likely to win this tournament as Grio? The, the other thing I'll point out with Griot is the putter is just like insanely good at the moment. He's he's gained putting basically since the, the Players' Championship earlier this year. He lost putting once at the US Open. Um, and we know that he's a great ball striker. And if he's got the putter here, a run of 6th, 10th, 20th the last three weeks, I just I really think he's got some great upside. Well, David, ownership aside on it, if we're comparing Ben on and, and Griot, I would rather play Griot even if they were the same ownership percentage. True. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm indifferent on him. Like, I don't want that to come across as like, I, I'm completely out. It's just, he's flat in my model. He has massive numbers when I look from safety because of the recent form that he has. And he's hit and miss in some areas of my sheet for GPPs, but that doesn't mean that I dislike him. Hmm. I think it's a fair point. 
I'll add one thing, and I just because Lucas Glover hasn't been brought back up yet. Uh, one back to back hasn't been mentioned on the show. Spencer's really the only no Spencer came in afford him either. So no one it doesn't look like he's not going to get drafted uh, unless David takes him with his last pick here. Um, but what I was going to say is in terms of similar kind of types of golfers, Lucas Glover and Grio are in the same family in that they're historically good ball strikers, right? And they've now more recently come into a putter that is working, where historically they didn't have, and that is increasing their profile to be much more competitive golfers. So from that profile, I think similar reasons are why I like Rio as well. All right. So I'm going to be honest with you and see you in the chat. See you. Great to see you. Thanks for having by. But see you, you're making the biggest mistake of the draft cast right now because I haven't taken my pick yet. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm between two guys with my last pick. One of them you just mentioned. So now I'm thinking, do I move them up, take them now before you guys get them, and then take my last pick later, which is starting to feel like what I might need to be doing. And it is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Keegan here because I'm not worried that the audience is going to steal him. Keegan was – I was planning to make Keegan my last pick because I would have been okay with having to default to Thagawa if you did take him. So I had like two options there I could have taken. Um, but now I'm going to save the guy I was going to take for, for after the audience goes and I'll lock Keegan in here. So thank you. See ya. How about you, uh, David? We'll go to you. Are you you on Keegan at all this week? I, I think he's a really good course fit. Um, bear in mind, right, this this tournament in Ryder Cup years has had a tendency of producing a player who needs to, in contention, um, show something to basically guarantee that they make the team. And Keegan Bradley kind of fills that mold. I mean, he's had a two-win season. He was on everyone's lips after the Travelers' Championship Lucas Glover suddenly emerged. He's going to be under pressure to, to be making that team now. And if he comes out on a course that, that I think should really suit him, like a profile is very well for him, with every incentive in the world to secure a, a ticket to Rome, would not be surprised whatsoever. I think he's very good value at 7,100. Did call. Maybe a little extra motivation for Keegan this week. How about you, Spence? You looking at Keegan at all? I like Keegan and you brought up the two names there. I mean, like obviously there's only so many players in that lower $7,000 section, but it would probably be the Gala and Keegan for me. That were the two I was most intrigued with. And and there were a lot of builds that I was trying to put together to fit one of those two. And I ended up going a different route there, but I think Keegan is sneaky for the upside that he presents. There you have it. And, um, Audience, you're up. Your nominations are in, but I'm laughing because C made a funny point. Another one in the chat. Uh, if you notice, like C said, Glover looked worn. I mean, he did. Glover looked like. I mean, Glover had sweat coming out of areas. I didn't know people sweat. He was just. He was on TV. I mean, he looked like. I mean, just that alone, I was like, is he gonna fall apart? Because he looks like he might not even make it through the rest of the round. Uh, but he did. He pulled it out. But. Glory isn't the youngest guy, so maybe that factored into it a little bit, but he did. He looked like he was struggling out there, which was kind of funny to watch. Uh, all right, David, the audience got their nominations in. Do you have the official two plays? I don't know if we've got a double up just yet. Um, I may be wrong, but I've seen so Glover Hodges, Todd Ken Young, Morikawa. Keegan, but he's gone. See, we're posting. We need to get some votes in, I think. Um, not seeing a, a double up on anyone just yet. Oh, wow. Audience, got to get your nominations in. 
for context, audience, you have 7650, an average 7700, 7600 for your last two picks. You have a bit of flexibility, so it does have to take some coordination to get this pick in to make sure. Obviously, you, de- you do stay within range and within salary. Um, and I mean, look at look at this. He has come in as as the the pseudo captain, and um, he's already just causing disruption. They're tearing <laughs> themselves apart. They've been backed into a corner, um, and they can't even get one player with two nominations. So, just a reminder, audience. You know, you're all on the same team. Let's work together. And we're nominating a player. The first time that that player gets nominated, if the if a second person puts their name out, then that's going to be an official pick. Um, and I agree with Ed. It looks like the the team audience are just in a downward spiral at the moment. You're okay, right. We've got a double double on Hodges. All right, we got Hodges as one, and then what does that leave them with? Ninety two. Well, guys, that leaves them with just enough. For the one guy we've been talking about since the beginning of the show, back to back. Does anyone else find it ironic that Lucas Glover plays with no glove? <laughs> that is ironic. Yes. <laughs> it's also kind of like he's like, I, I probably because he plays golf all the time in the sun, but like his skin looks leather. Like he looks like he he's, doesn't need a glove because it, it basically skin covers it for him. I, I also enjoyed the, as you mentioned, the, the sweat that was just falling off his body, but the fact that his pants changed color throughout uh, <laughs> throughout the tournament was was fantastic. Uh, looks like we've got a double up on Connors. Um, I, I believe that is correct. Is we've it got Connors, Connors or is it Fowler? Did we, did we have an earlier nominee? Uh, oh, we had a Fowler question mark. I don't know if you can regard that as question a mark as count. A, yeah, I, I don't know if you can take that as an official pick. If there there was more of a question, I think, with that first one from Brandt. And then we've come in Connors for Brandt and um, Connors from Ed Gale as well. So I think that it's Connors, and I don't want to cause a controversy. It sounds like we have Connors Gate already. Maybe it's, this is probably more likely Ricky Gate, but Connors is the pick. Lock it in. It's a, It's been made official. Um I really like the the audience, the non-SIA audience team here. Um, I think you have a really well-balanced team. You did a good stars and scrubs approach. I, I think this is I, I think this this team could win the whole thing this week. All right, I'm gonna take my last pick. My last pick's obvious. I left the perfect amount of money to Gavin. I'm gonna go ahead and take Nick Taylor. I took him last week. He played well. Um, for someone under 6K, I think in guaranteed four days. Nick Taylor's a type of golfer where I don't really think he's going to give me even a top 20. And then maybe top 20 is probably the best he can do. But what I do think he can do is he can score, right? He can have a day or two with a lot of birdies, uh, get hot, and scoring is what matters. And th- those points with four days guaranteed will matter. So I think he can get me the equivalent of a top 20 without actually having to be in the top 20 by having good scoring stats. And that's why in a tournament like this, under 6A, I think Nick Taylor is someone that you can roster and kind of get away with with this type of no cut event. Um, David, do you, are you looking at Nick Taylor at all? I, I don't think so. I think that the lack of distance off the tee concerns me a bit. And then for his approach shot, he does a lot of work with um, his wedges. Um, so if you're going to be short off the tee and then leaving yourself long lines, and that's not the strongest component of your game, that would potentially be a concern um, for me with Nick Taylor. There. Fair enough. How about you, Spence? Do you like Nick Taylor at all this week? 
I mean, to be honest, I don't really know what's going on right now. I've been reading the chat and I mean, there is just outrage in there. <laughs> uh, oh, to answer the question, I think Taylor is okay, I guess. I mean, if you're looking at the the options below 6,000, I would prefer him or Kiriyama with Kiriyama off the board. He's probably my second favorite play that would be left. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, David, you got one left. You got plenty of money to spend. Who are you going with here? I do. Look, I in this spot, I really considered leaving money on the table and going down to Tommy Fleetwood because I think that regardless of the fact, like it's very clear that he has a problem on Sunday at the moment. Like I think that's very obvious that the round four is going to let you down, even if he's in contention. Um, closing the door seems to be a bit of an issue for him at the moment. Regardless, I think that Tommy Fleetwood would be a fine play even if he finishes third. I think he's still delivering on the salary, so bear that in mind that his ownership might come down a bit because everyone expects him to get that win. Um, but just from the, the setup of the tournament, you're going to get four rounds if he's finishing third or second or in the top five. I think that's a very good option. In saying that, the concern with Fleetwood here comes to me that like he's He's long enough off the tee, but not super long. And then, like, he's accurate enough off the tee, but, like, not super accurate. I don't know if you're really making, like, a definitive selection with him there. And I personally like what I'm seeing from Xander Schauffele in terms of the approach numbers last week particularly. Lost a little bit off the tee. That was, again, a result of the water and the volatility that comes in play on that pretty unique course at TPC Southwind. Um, but he was striking the ball beautifully, seventh for straight straight gained approach. He was 69th driving accuracy, and I think that he's a lot more accurate than that number perhaps gives him credit for, and I, I think that a lot of that comes down to the fact that he um, he found the water a few times. He was 10th um, at the US Open earlier this year, which I don't think is the worst um, comp for LACC, and then 18th at Oak Hill. Um, third at the BMW Championship last year as well, so he does like to show up at the end of the season, and it feels like with Xander, right, like he, he he obviously has an issue when it comes to the majors, but he seems to be able to pull it out of the, the playoffs, kind of a bit like Patrick Cantlay, and so I think that um, spinning up the salary here, I'm, I'm quite happy to go to him over Fleetwood with it being my other choice. There you have it. There you have it. Well, you really didn't have another choice because Fleetwood's already on team audience, so Xander was the play for you here the whole way along. But, you know, I like Xander. Xander's one of those guys in your position here, like I think Spencer said at the beginning of the draft, it's like you can't really go wrong with someone of his talent. You know, he's priced up, but he, he's always pretty good. You get four days out of him, he's probably going to have one really good scoring day at least. So um, no negative comments about Xander from me. How about you, Spence? Yeah, I, I like Xander. As I said at the beginning of the show, I think Xander and up, you can make an argument for any of those names there. Um, it does look like to me that Xander will probably be the leverage play if you're trying to get contrarian, and, and I have no issues with that. All right, Spence. Well, last pick of the draft. You got 8900 to spend. Plenty of money. How are you wrapping this draft up? Yeah, I, I'm going to take the best player in the draft. I'm going to take the guy who probably should have gone at the 101. I, I am going to select Jason Day here. And I think you could make an argument for Cameron Young, which is the other specialty that I always like to go down every single week. But, you know, look, I, I understand Day's problems recently with the iron play better than anybody else. Like, it, it's been bad. I understand that. I don't know why he changed the iron, irons after his win at the Byron Nelson. 
pretty been much been nothing but poor results for months now from that point. But uh, despite those issues and they're relevant and pronounced in my model and it does bring them down a little bit. There's a few reasons why I really like him this week. One, nobody's going to play him. He is the best leverage that I have on the board because I think people believe he's overpriced. So I all, all of a sudden like that. But then there's also some statistical metrics with him that are great. Like he is first in my sheet for weighted scrambling. He's eighth for weighted scoring. First on these par four holes between 450 to 500 yards when I weighted it. Uh, second on these similar medium to long par 70 courses. I understand the concerns. I mean, this is leverage above anything else here, but I think there is going to be leverage that can be created maybe more so than any player in the tournament if he does hit that upside. And we saw it at the Open Championship. It's not that he can't produce the results still, and I think this is a good course fit for him. Yeah, no one could have saw you taking Jason Day here. That was really a complete shocker. But I, I think your your reasoning is spot on, I think. In terms of a, a leverage play, leverage plays in this tournament, in this field, are probably more valuable than normal. And he certainly does have the upside. I mean, we've seen him do it plenty of times. The ball striking has been improved. Um, I think for a lot of the reasons you said, the pick does make sense. So that's a wrap for the draft tonight. Some solid rosters. It was fun. There was picks stolen. But we're still going to crown a winner next week. Can I get a three-peat? Going into the FedEx Championship, I surely hope so. We will post the lineups on Twitter. Let us know which lineup you like the most. Uh, we'll vote on it, and we'll, we'll crown the winner next week. But as I pull the draft board down, we are not done yet. Don't forget to give us a follow. Hit the like button. Tune into Discord this week. We will be updating you with weather updates, our outright picks, everything like that before the tournament starts on Thursday. But for tonight... We have our first-round leaders. If Sia is gracious enough to post his in the chat, you might get them. But either way, you come to the Discord, you'll get Sia's picks as well. For tonight, we'll kick it off with Spence. Who are you looking at in the first-round leader market? I mean, obviously, this is not a fun answer to give on the show. I'm not so sure that there's value in the market this week. I thought, like, I wanted Justin Rose. That that was the first name I wanted to click on. I see him 35-40-1. to 1. In most markets, like I couldn't get myself there at that price. And there were so many players that I would give that answer for. So I'm going to pass um, for that reason. I just don't have a name that I like. I mean, Rose would have been the option, but I just don't want to get there at the price. Well, in, in defense of the of the lines, right? With only 50 guys, they're just going to be lower numbers in general because there's there's a smaller field to compete with. So sure. And and I agree with that, but I still think the hold percentages are massive. Like if you compare those prices to the outright numbers, it's night and day from a value difference. Like the whole percentages are just extreme for the first round leaders this week. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Spence is going to pass. Save your money for next week. David, how about you? Are you looking at the first round leader market? Before I give my first round leaders, I do want to verify. I've gone back through the chat. There's a lot of controversy from team audience here. I can verify that only one person had nominated Lucas Glover before we had a double up on Connors and then DT and Phoenix, uh, Dave, put in Lucas Glover kind of straight after that. So can verify that Connors was the correct play. And 
if team audience want to tear themselves apart, we are not liable for that. If you guys are just ripping each other to shreds, you're in complete panic mode at how well the rest of us are drafted. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. And uh, that that's on you. Um, I'm only gonna give two. I'm giving two first round leaders today. It's John Rahm at 14 to 1, and it's Max Homer at 28 to 1. And I think that one of those two will be the first round leader this week. There you have it. Um, I like those two plays. I also only have two for you as well. I'm going to give you a long shot, though. I like uh, taking a, a big swing on a 50 to 1 shot, someone that was drafted, that was widely liked on the show already in Harris English. Um, as you guys said, the ball striking's there. We know we can get a hot putter. Uh, I think he can come out and have a hot first round at 51. That's a really big number um, in a pretty small field. So I think he, he can do it. And I'm also going to go ahead and put Victor Hovland at 20 to 1. We've seen Victor Hovland get off to some hot starts, especially in these bigger tournaments that have significance. I think he plays up a little bit. Um, and I think he struggles kind of toward the end when he's in contention um the hold on but i think early on in the week is is victor's strike so at 20 to 1 uh, i think it's a really good number for him in this field that's a wrap for this week no easy button first round leader tonight we saved those for when we put in the mortgage bets we're not going to put a mortgage bet this week but you know maybe just like your entire year savings or just one year salary on that that's that's all i think that's a, that's a little bit more conservative but you'll still end up being rich on Thursday evening. Um, certainly a fun show tonight. Don't forget, smash the like button. Give us a follow. Are we back next week? We are, right? We, we will, and we'll, we'll just be doing um, a smaller smaller field, obviously, given the, the tournament's a bit weird in terms of starting strokes and obviously only 30 players to, to draft with. But there will certainly be a show for... Um, the apparently Super Bowl of um, of golf, as they call it. Well, if you thought tonight was chaos with 50 guys, next week with 30 is going to be straight chaos. Um, the only thing I can say is tune in and find out how we navigate it. But other than that, the only thing left to say is sports. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.